Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we give nonprofits a platform to share how they're making a difference for people in our community. Our hope is that you, our listeners, will be inspired to find a way to make a difference in some way yourselves. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations at Ellen Becker Investment Group. If you are a parent, like I am, you may be surprised by the information we're going to be sharing on today's show. You may be unaware and quite honestly shocked, like I was, by the stats that you're going to hear. It's a topic of conversation that probably doesn't take place at many dinner tables, and unless you're involved in support services for this population, you may continue in a state of disbelief and or disregard the problem altogether. We like to bring awareness of issues on our show, not only about great things that are happening in our community, of which there are plenty, but also the adversity, you know, the challenges that people are facing, of which there are many, right? You might be interested in doing something to bring about change, but if you aren't aware of what needs to be changed, nothing's going to happen, right? Our topic of conversation today is homelessness. In the U.S. today, there are over half a million people experiencing homelessness. Overall, 66% are single individuals, with the remaining 34% representing families. A question I have for a listening audience is, can you guess what the average age of a homeless person in the United States is? I think the answer might surprise you. I know it did for me. The average age of a homeless person in the United States is 11 years old. And that, my friends, is why we're addressing this topic today. My first guest is Audra O'Connell from the Walker's Point Youth and Family Center. Welcome to the show today, Audra. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. You're welcome. So tell us a little bit about Walker's Point Youth and Family Center. Yeah, so Walker's Point's been around since 1976, and we've worked to be a safe place for young people and their families. And really that's to work on resolving conflict and overcoming challenges. Um, and we work to end youth homelessness in Milwaukee. And we do that through three main pillars of programming. We have an emergency shelter for 11 to 17 year olds. We have mental health treatment for 11 to 25 year olds and supportive housing for formerly homeless young adults, 18 to 25 years old. So I wanna visit this stat of the average age of a homeless individual being 11 years old. That's what, seventh grade, I think? Right. It's unbelievable. Um, what's the prevalence of youth homelessness in Milwaukee specifically? Sure, so in Milwaukee, if you just base it off of Milwaukee Public Schools data, we estimate that there's about 15,000 young people, age 25 and younger, who are experiencing homelessness. Um, we have hundreds on waiting lists for housing, and one in three young people that are aging out of foster care are going to be homeless within two years of exiting the foster care system. Hmm. 15,000 young people age 25 and younger. Correct. So, okay. 
Um, and I know I did a show years back about uh, foster care. And there again, that's another topic that is worth revisiting because it's all interconnected, it's all re- re- right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, Audra, makes homeless youth typically more vulnerable than adults? Sure. So if you've followed the news at all, Milwaukee is considered a hub for trafficking. And what's interesting about young people is the data shows that within 72 hours of them beginning to experience homelessness, one in three youth are going to trade sex to meet their basic needs, whether that's food or shelter, whatever the case may be. And then those numbers are even higher when we're looking at LGBTQ uh, youth. So within 72 hours of experiencing homelessness, these children and again the average age being 11 so get that visual parents it's unbelievable one in three will enter the sex trade market if you will i just recently did an interview on human trafficking and there again um, the the statistics are just they're staggering and they're so sad um you know, obviously something needs to be done about this. And so it's wonderful that organizations such as yourself are around to help with that. Um, why do you think we, we don't see homeless youth as often as homeless adults? You know, I think youth have gotten really good at hiding in plain sight. So they're hiding and they don't want to be found because of things like truancy warrants or because they're going to be forced to return to a home that they've been abused or neglected in or because of trafficking concerns, things like that. They've really learned to hide from everyone and not be as prevalent as like, you know, the tent cities you see when you're driving into the city. And I know, again, with doing this show on human trafficking, that that kind of stuff happens right under our nose. Absolutely. And so people wouldn't even suspect that it's a situation of a homeless uh, younger person that is having to do that in order to meet their basic needs. Absolutely. We, I mean, they could be going to school. They could be working other jobs. And that's still happening in their lives. Yeah. One of the things that the gal said from the human trafficking uh, organization is that uh, a story that she shared is that a senior in high school was being trafficked. And the, I don't know what you call the handler or the gentleman that was a hold of her uh, would beat her into submission. And she said, you don't have to do that. Just take me to school every day and pick me up at the end of the day and he did and she would change from her school uniform into her quote-unquote working clothes and go to work for the evening and nobody suspected so again I'm not sure if in that situation the young woman was homeless but the point is with those stats that you're sharing one in three youth will enter the sex trade um Uh, in order to just meet basic needs, that's the kind of thing that's happening. And unless, again, as I said at the beginning of the show, unless we bring awareness to these issues, you might be interested in doing something to bring about change. But if you don't even know what the problem is or that it exists, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, well, we've shared a lot of statistics in this first segment because we really want to be sure that people are made aware of the seriousness of this problem in our community. But we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we return, we're going to dive into some of the reasons behind this problem. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Audra O'Connell from Walker's Point Youth and Family Center. So, Audra, it's shocking to me that the average age of a homeless person in the U.S. is 11 years old. That's one of those statistics that's going to stick with me for a while. Again, that's seventh grade, I think. My goodness. What are some reasons behind why a young person might become homeless? Sure. Um, they could have been asked to leave their home because they're getting into fights with their parents or they're not following rules. Um, domestic violence is always a reason that we'll see youth show up. Um, youth can come to shelter because they're having mental health issues that maybe their family doesn't understand or isn't able to have treated. Um, I understand that's really on the rise too. Absolutely. Mental health issues uh, in youth especially since COVID. Mm. Um, it could be because of substance abuse issues. It can be failure to attend school. We actually have quite a bit of data around um, our numbers rise right when school's letting out, and that's because report cards are coming, and parents are finding out that, oh, maybe you know my son or daughter lied about going to school or lied about getting this homework done, and parents get really upset and fights happen. The other reason why we'll see it um, go up in the summertime is a lot of our young people aren't homeless in the sense of living outside. They're homeless in the sense of they're doubled up in someone else's. They're, they're what we used to call couch surfing, where they're okay. going to someone else's house and staying. And in the summer, that's a different issue because in the school year, they're going to school. They're not really home most of the day. They're not you know, eating my food, using my electricity. And then in the summer, they're there all the time. Mm. And so suddenly it becomes an issue where I want you to leave. Mm. And so that's when we'll really see youth homelessness skyrocket. And it's hard for me to think of a parent asking uh, their child to leave their home. I'm not naive to to think that it doesn't happen. I get that. But... um, it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around that and and then knowing what could possibly happen when they do leave your home. Uh, you had mentioned the pandemic before. How have needs changed since then? So we've noticed, like you said, mental health has gone through the roof. We're seeing youth that have significant mental health challenges and have never received treatment for those challenges coming into shelter because families are... Uh, feeling hopeless. We've seen more um, youth being escorted by police because a fight has happened in the home. Um, So it just, it seems like everything is heightened. It seems like everyone is on edge and, and people are, there's, where are they supposed to go? Especially when you're looking at youth mental health treatment in Milwaukee, it is extremely difficult to find a child therapist that maybe takes badger care that is, you know, on your bus line 
and you can and it, and is accepting new patients all of that's really difficult so it makes it next to impossible for young people to get into mental health treatment hmm. so right at the beginning of the pandemic we received a call from Milwaukee Police Department about bringing in a young mother who was 13 years old with her three-day-old infant um, and what we found when she came in was that she had been discharged very quickly because of COVID. Typically, they would have kept a young mother a few more days, um, but they weren't feeling like they could do that. So she went home without supports to a family who was really upset because their 13-year-old had just had a baby yeah. um, and didn't really know how to cope with that. And so there was pretty significant domestic violence that caused, you know, neighbors to call the police and have her brought to us. And we we saw that early on in the pandemic, and we knew that that was going to be indicative to the kind of work that we were going to see as people were just heightened and stressed and worried about money and jobs and school and all of that compiling and just sort of simmering over. Mm. Well, tell us. Uh, what some of your favorite things are about working with the youth. Obviously, that's that's the age that you're dealing with right now with most of your, your clients. Um, what's, what is, let's take a positive spin on it for sure. a minute here because, again, that, that uh, uh, the story is a heavy story, but, again, it's, it's real. You know, it's, it's happening, and so people need to be aware that that kind of stuff goes on in, in our community. So, t- Put a positive spin on it and tell us what some of your favorite things are about working with youth in our community. I think that the biggest thing really um, is about hope. So young people aren't the people that are homeless. They aren't the people that we're seeing in tent cities that have been homeless for 20, 30, 40 years. And this has become their entire life. Um, Young people are the people that if we go upstream and we really start working with youth and their families to prevent homelessness and to immediately stop it the moment it starts, those are the people that aren't going to re-enter homelessness as adults with their own children. And so I like the idea that this is really a downstream uh, proactive solution is working with the youth and helping them to understand that there are other options out there and there are people that want to work with them and help them. You know, the national data suggests that 43% of chronically homeless individuals in this, com- in this country were homeless at least once before the age of 25. And so we know that if we don't have these interventions in place, they are going to someday be those people that we see so prominently. Uh, so really, unless we're, unless we're focused on these young people, um, I think we're going to continue to see this problem. But then when I think about the work that we're doing and how positive it is, I think about a young man that was in shelter last year who was sitting down with one of our interns. We use um, hundreds of interns from local universities to help staff our shelter. And he was explaining that he had gotten really good grades. He was excited because that wasn't something that parents uh, thought he was able to do. Um, And so they sat down and, and they were explaining that they were interested in going to college. But the idea of college was so foreign that they didn't know how you even got into college. They didn't know that you had to fill out a FAFSA form. They didn't know that you had to take the SAT test. 
So this intern sat with him over a period of weeks and first enrolled him in taking the SATs. Got that done, then worked with him and parents to gather the information to fill out the FAFSA form got that done. Then the young person came back when they weren't even a shelter resident anymore and said, okay, well now I'm ready to apply and I think I want to go to UWM because that was the school that they lived closest to and you know that made sense for them. So they sat down with our UWM intern and filled this application out and sent it in and then came back to let us know, hey, I got into UWM. I never thought I could do that. And so seeing those kinds of stories reminds me that this isn't just a never-ending cycle. There are these places where we can go in and have this effect and, and make this change. That's, again, that's, that's wonderful. And knowing that these young kids have mentors to come alongside them to walk them through their, their tough time, uh, not just for that one instance, right, but right. to continually potentially, stick with them, follow up with them, help them through processes that may seem normal to other kids, but it's totally foreign to that that individual, and now you have a great outcome. And then you think, gosh, years down the road, wouldn't it be interesting to see, okay, where does this individual go? This, this homelessness issue has not been perpetuated because someone has worked with him to make a change yeah. when change could be made right so absolutely that's that's wonderful so uh i'm sure people are sick of hearing me say this but it is so true we never have enough time to talk about everything that we want to talk about we're just here to plant a mustard seed so that people can just get a a glimpse into some of the challenges that we face here in our community and then they can uh, look into it further to see how they uh, can help support those that are supporting others but if people want to help specifically uh, walkers point youth and family center what are some things that they can do sure so we are always looking for volunteers in our shelter uh, we utilize community volunteers to help keep our shelter open 24 7 um, but you can also, if that's not for you, there's also things like you can host a donation drive. Maybe you have a church or a book club or someone else that you want to get together with and say, hey, we want to we want to raise some support, whether that's goods or services, whatever the case may be for the agency. Um, on a community-wide level, really, I think the biggest thing is that if you see a family or a young person in need of services, please, please, please have them reach out to us. Or they can contact 211, which is always the best way to get a hold of all the agencies that will provide them services. And I want to make sure people are aware of that because I was not aware of that resource prior to interviewing a number of years ago an organization that made me aware of it. So very much like, um, you know, 411, 611, 911. Um, there's something called 211, and can you just take uh, just a, a short amount of time, Audra, to explain what that is exactly? Yeah, 211 is the number you call that if you are in need of any kind of services. So whether that's food pantry, shelter, housing, um, diapers, whatever the case may be, uh, just call 211. And emergency services as well, right? I mean, do they react? Do they respond right away if someone is in crisis? No, it's not. Okay. It's not necessarily for crisis. It's more okay. of 
any kind of social or human services that okay. they're looking for. And resources. And, right. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, and advocate, right? Absolutely, yeah. So they have um, housing navigators that help work with uh, young people and families and homeless adults to get them into housing. And you, if somebody's asking how they can help, they can also advocate for your organization. Yes. Um, So we always suggest that you reach out to your local and state lawmakers to share with them why ending youth homelessness is so important. It actually can impact how they vote, how budgets are created and approved, and how we're able to serve young people in Wisconsin. Wonderful. Well, share with us uh, contact information. Sure. Our crisis number is 414-647-8200. Audra, can you share that uh, phone number one more time? Sure. It's 414-647-8200, and it's open 24-7-365. Okay. And you have a website. We do. Uh, It's www.walkerspoint.org. Okay. Do you happen to have a Facebook page? We do. We're at Walkers Point YFC. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us today in the interview, uh, Audra, and for really sharing some important stuff about... um, a challenge that we are experiencing in our community and and something that we really want to make sure that people are aware of and are doing something about. So thank you for uh, uh, all the work that you do. Thank you for having me. You're certainly welcome. Now, I said in the opening of the show that in the U.S. today, there are over half a million people experiencing homelessness, with 66% being single individuals, and again, the average age being 11 and 34% being families. So we talked about the youth with Audra, but what about the families? What resources are available for them? Stay tuned, and we're going to address that after a short commercial break. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. So we learned in the previous segments that 34% of homeless in the United States are families. Now, my understanding is that the resources Audra and Walker's Point Youth and Family Centers offers is available for individuals up to the age of 25. But what about families? What about those people over the age of 25? We're going to address that uh, for the remainder of the show today. My next guest is Wendy Weckler from the Hope House of Milwaukee. Welcome to the show today, Wendy. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, Before we dive into some stats and the info around family homelessness, tell us a little bit about Hope House. Sure. Hope House has been around since 1987. Um, We are probably best known as a homeless shelter. Our mission is pretty simple. It's to end homelessness and create healthy communities. So we do have 10 homeless families that live on site with us. Um, One thing we really try to do, though, is be a resource to the community surrounding Hope House as well. So we have, in addition to the families that live with us, a youth after school and summer program that's open to our kids and the kids from the neighborhood. We have a large food pantry run in partnership with Freedom's Community Ministries. 
We have a full medical clinic run in partnership with Ascension Healthcare, um, and we offer GED classes to the people staying with us as well as the surrounding community in partnership with METC. Nice, nice. Question for you, and this might be a tough one. Um, Do you really think that it's possible to end homelessness? So I think it's important to clarify that people will still become homeless. It's not like it just goes away. What ending homelessness means is that when people become homeless, it's brief, hopefully like less than a month, and that there is a resource available to them to get them out of their homelessness and help them move forward. Okay. Well, that's good. Thank you for clarifying that. You know, because I think we talk about nonprofits uh, ideally wanting to go out of business. And I know that sounds strange, but when you think about it, they are able to go out of business because their services are no longer needed. And gosh, for something like homelessness, wouldn't that be nice, right? That there was never, there's no more issue with it. And I think that's, that's pretty, uh, grandiose as far as a goal, but I think uh, with your further definition, that that makes sense. So, okay, so we we got some stats, um, or we're going to talk about some stats, because we talked a little bit about who Hope House is first. Um, And I think that the audience will find some of these stats shocking. I know I did. We already know that the national statistic is 34% of families being homeless. How many families are homeless in Wisconsin? Sure. Well, we know kind of exactly how many families are homeless at any point in time um, because HUD literally makes us count once a year. So the Department of Housing and Urban Development every January makes all the homeless providers count not only those people that are experiencing homelessness in a homeless shelter, but also those that are living outside. So on January 25th, 2022, There were 1,889 families homeless in Wisconsin on that night. 1,800, too many, right? Correct. You know, do the numbers go up? You know, obviously in the winter, um, it could be very different from summer. I mean, do you see a difference in terms of seasonal homelessness? Yeah, our numbers actually go way up for families in the summer. Um, And again, it's because a lot of families experiencing homelessness, like if my family became homeless tomorrow, so my family of four, we wouldn't go immediately to a homeless shelter. We'd call our friend and say, we're in a tough spot. Can we stay with you for a bit? And they'd say, of course, of course, come on over. Um, And during the school year, you know, that might work out because like my kids go to school, I go off to do my thing and we aren't there all the time. But in the summer everyone's home. Yeah. And that's a lot of extra people in your already crowded house. Moving a whole nother family in with yours is hard. Yeah. Audra talked about that uh, a little bit too. You know, it's just a different dynamic. Um, How does family homelessness differ, would you say, from other types of homelessness? Sure. I think if you think about, you know, the stereotypical homeless person, You think about what you see on TV. It's, you know, a a man that's all bedraggled and he's got the beard and looks really down on his luck. Um, But if you think about, you know, there's children. If the average age is 11, that means there's a lot of kids younger and a lot of uh, some kids older. But that means that there's there's babies that are homeless and there's babies that are born and come home to a homeless shelter. We actually once had a baby arrive very quickly on third shift at the shelter. Um, So... You know, 
there's the, the major difference is that there's children involved. Um, and that just adds a whole different, different dynamic, a whole different dynamic for the parents, a whole different dynamic for the kids, obviously. Mm. Well, we talked about this again with Audra. What, what are some of the reasons why families find themselves homeless? Sure. So if you look at the statistics, most families are about two paychecks away from being homeless in the U.S. Um, so it really doesn't take much to disrupt someone's life. One car repair mm. that you know stops your ability to get to work, so you can't continue. One episode of mental illness, so that you just have to miss some days, and your job and life won't accommodate that. Um, you know, sometimes there's addiction issues. Sometimes, you know, a disabled child puts stressors on a relationship that makes that relationship end, or children in general put stressors on a relationship that that just you lose your stability. Mm -hmm. um, so it really can be a whole myriad of reasons. And when you think about um, some of these families that are low-income families, they have to make a decision about, do I put food on the table or do I put gas in my car to get to a job so that I can be paid? I mean, again, some of, some of us don't think about those issues. Mm -hmm. And even more so, we sometimes see families making really just heartbreaking decisions like I can't afford to feed all the kids in my family so do I send some of the older kids somewhere else and split our family apart so that I can feed the younger ones mm -hmm. they just have to make really just heartbreaking decisions that no parent should have to make right right well as I said before luckily there's organizations like yours and Audra's that step in to provide support in a number of ways um, so now we have some statistics. We're aware of, uh, from a statistical standpoint, some of these things that go on. Um, let's take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to discuss specifically what kind of work uh, the Hope House of Milwaukee does to help these families in crisis mode. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations, and I'm talking in this last segment with Wendy Weckler from the Hope House of Milwaukee. So share with us, Wendy, what specifically do you do? What specific work do you do to help these families that are homeless? So initially a family might enter the homeless system through a call to 211. Um, through that call they would get connected to what's called coordinated entry who would make a referral to one of our programs that actually serves homeless families. Um, so they might come and stay with us in our shelter. Um, that would mean the whole family would come to our building on Orchard Street um, they would move in together. They would all share one room. So mom and or dad and kids would be in a single room with, you know, a door and it locks and it's as private as it can be when you're all sharing a room. Sure. Um, and they would share a bathroom, um, a number of bathrooms, a kitchen, a dining area, and a living area with the nine other families that stay with us. So we have 10 families with us all together. Now, 
Obviously, that's not an ideal place to live because 10 families sharing one TV is worse than one family trying to share a TV. Yeah, yeah. We know how difficult that is in our own homes, right? Um, so from there, the hope would be that you would go to one of our other programs, whether that's a rapid rehousing program, a permanent supportive housing program, um, or one of our newer programs that's called the Family Flex Fund. Um, so what the rapid rehousing style programming does is it takes individuals that are currently homeless um, and they are moved as quickly as possible into their own apartment based on their family size. Um, and what we do while they're there is we help provide rent assistance and we provide case management services. Um, so those families would get that rent assistance for up to a year. They would pay rent based on their income. Um, so if they have very little income, they would pay very little rent and we'd make up the difference. Um, we have a number of landlords we work with on these programs um, that kind of understand how it goes and they appreciate the fact that they get guaranteed rent money um, and that they um, have a case manager they can call if they're having challenges with the tenants. Um, and you know, some people will ask, well, isn't there a lot of risk involved for the landlord? Well, I think anytime you're a landlord and you're renting to someone, there's a lot of risk involved. So True at that, least we're landlords and we can speak <laughs> to that. <laughs> So at least in this case, you have someone you can call, and you know you're getting a set portion at least of the rent every month. How uh, successful? So I mean, do you find that those that you set up for success, you help them with the rent, they go out and find jobs, and they stay where they are? So what's amazing about the program is that at the one-year mark, it's usually about 95%. Now, I just ran the 2022 numbers, and it was actually 100% of the families either transitioned in place or went to a different unit they chose, a different apartment unit that they chose to nice. live on their own. Okay. Um, the other amazing thing is that at the five-year mark, about 85% of our families have never again touched the homeless system. Wonderful. That's one of those things to celebrate, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That when we got to call attention to those things because it just shares with our audience that the things you're doing are working, right? Um, there's got to be some challenges, obviously, in helping these families to leave this situation of, of homelessness. What, what would you say are the biggest challenges that you've had to face? Sure. I think kind of the biggest ongoing challenge for our families is if they're in a rapid rehousing program or one of our other programs that helps provide housing, is just finding a physical housing unit that is affordable and that is nice and someplace you'd want to live hmm. so you know everyone has their own ideas about where they'd want to live whether that's near their kids school or near their grandma or near whatever is going on in their lives that's important to them near work um, so it's being able to find the unit that meets their needs within that and then it's just a decent place to live Milwaukee has a lot of old housing stock um, and a lot of the places that really poor people can live aren't very nice mm. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you this question. I asked this question of Audra, and I'm curious, what would you say to can we, and if so, how, do we end family homelessness? So I think it's definitely possible. I don't think it's easy. Um, I'm sure everyone's seen the articles where United Way has set this really big goal to end family homelessness, and we're a part of that, and we're super excited about it. Oh, great. Um, okay. We're working with them on a program called the Family Flex Fund, 
which is um, in partnership with United Way and Impact. And it's working together to provide families that are either um, currently homeless or right on the verge of homelessness to help them out for the amount of time needed in the way that's needed. So if that means you need help with a rent for three months or if you need help with the rent for a year, if you are okay but you need appliances because you aren't going to be able to cook food for your family so you're going to have to eat out all the time because you don't have that. It's really trying to go upstream and find those flexible things that will prevent families from ever needing to enter the homeless system. Um, and I think the more we can go upstream, like you have to stabilize the families that are currently homeless, obviously, um, and help them. And then you have to go upstream and prevent new families from needing to come into that homeless system. So it's figuring out the right combination of those two things, and I think it's definitely doable. Okay. And then also um, working with partners to uh, help you in those areas where you really need help. So maybe working with, a, I don't know, there's some um, organizations out there that might be, like the Hope Center in Waukesha, that might be able to provide uh, appliances or provide you with some other uh, furniture that is needed. Um, so I think it's important to uh, work with and collaborate with uh, organizations that can help you, right? Sure, absolutely. Um, and Hope House really tries hard to partner. We actually partner with Milwaukee County on what's called a master leasing program. So that's taking families that don't meet the official definition of homelessness, which HUD has very prescriptive definitions around, um, and helps find a way for them to move into a unit of their own. Um, so we have a building called St. Catherine's Residence, which we have um, 10 units that are set aside specifically for families with Milwaukee County. And one of my favorite stories of um, one of the first individuals we served in that master leasing program is we had a woman come in who was working full-time at a daycare and had four kids. Um, she somehow lost her housing initially, but had keys to the daycare because she opened in the morning. So she was going to work, then she was leaving work at the end of the day and picking up her kids and waiting until everyone else had cleared out of the daycare, and she was sneaking, sneaking back into the daycare to sleep at night mm -hmm. with her family. Um, so she was putting her job at risk so that her kids didn't have to sleep on the street. And like obviously that's not good for anyone. Right. Um, so she was able to move into one of these units. She was able to save her money very quickly. We helped her out with a security deposit. And she went on to her own apartment and just lived her life. She just needed that little bit of help to get over the hurdle. Right, right. That's a great success story. And again, we love hearing those success stories because it helps us understand your impact, as I've said. Um, so if people want to help uh, with the Hope House of Milwaukee's mission, uh, what are some things that they can do? So we're always looking for volunteers. We're always looking for um, people to do donation drives. Um, one thing we always suggest for drives is children's underwear. Uh -huh. um, they're oddly expensive. People don't necessarily donate them a lot, and kids don't have proper fitting underwear a lot of times when they come in, which is something we feel like everyone should be able to have. Sure, sure. I've heard socks, too. Underwear and socks yep. are really needed. Yeah. Yep. Um, another thing we always need are airbeds. When people are moving out, they don't necessarily have furniture, so an airbed is a great way to get kind of 
over that hurdle until you're able to save and get that furniture. A blow-up mattress. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> An air bed. I'm like, ooh, is that the same yeah. thing? Okay, so a blow-up mattress. Okay. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you can always go to our website, www.hopehousemke.org. Okay. And uh, do you have a Facebook page? We do. I think it's at Hope House MKE. Okay. So again, uh, uh, any way that people can get information about you on socials is, is good. They can follow you. Uh, we talk about how important it is to advocate for these respective organizations that do such great work in our community. So that's a way that people can always, always help. So thank you so much, uh, Wendy, for being here today and helping us to understand what the Hope House of Milwaukee does. Uh, I want to thank Audra O'Connell as well from Walker's Point Youth and Family Center. And again, Wendy Weckler from the Hope House of Milwaukee. Thank you for sharing information about a topic that is hard to hear, but one that definitely needs to be heard and something that needs to be done. Uh, I appreciate you joining me in the interview today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, you can reach out to Walker's Point Youth and Family Services or the Hope House of Milwaukee directly. Uh, if you know of a great organization that's doing great work in our community that you think would be a great guest on our show, you can email me that information at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. We're filling up our calendar for the year and we take guests on a first-come, first-served basis. So tune in next Sunday morning at 10 to hear Milwaukee's philanthropic community and to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community safe and family-friendly. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I also encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com. You can listen to over 400 previously aired interviews. And what's really neat is if you're a millennial or you're into on-demand type stuff, you can tune in that way, which means Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So the bottom line is if you can get an internet connection, you can listen to the show and get educated and informed and impacted. So my call to action is to give some thought to how you can make a difference in some way for someone in our community. Our guests have shared today many ways that you can make a difference and have a significant impact, whether that's by donating, volunteering, or simply advocating for their respective organization. I'm sure anything you do would be much appreciated. So take some time to find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening today. Have a great day.